0: now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. If you brought your Bible, please hold your Bible high up in the air and let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. All right, this morning we're going to continue our study here on our spiritual authority. And I want to spend the last two Sundays, today and next Sunday, talking about exercising our authority in practice. How do we exercise our spiritual authority in practice, in everyday life? And just talk about some practical Aspects of this, this whole thing that we've been learning about our spiritual authority. There will be seven broad areas that I'm going to be covering over the next two Sundays in talking about exercising our spiritual authority. I want to quickly talk to us this uh, this morning about the weapons of our warfare. And many of us are familiar with some of these things, they're not very new to us, but it's good to review. To understand and remind ourselves, these are the weapons that we use in spiritual warfare. And then we talk about being defensive, exercising our authority to protect and prevent things from happening. Then we'll talk about being offensive, using our spiritual weapons to go on the offensive and advance the kingdom of God. Other things that we'll talk about next Sunday, we'll talk about prayers, prophetic decrees and actions and how those are also weapons that we use and how we exercise our spiritual authority through that. We'll talk about corporate power, how together we can be a powerful army for God next Sunday. We'll talk about calling AAA. When a car breaks down, call AAA. So that's angels that are on assignment for us. So we can tap into angels and there are all kinds of angels to assist us. There are garden angels. There are angels that assist us. There are warring angels that fight on our behalf. There are messenger angels that bring messages to us from the Lord and and angels have been sent to work alongside us and for us. And, and we need to know how to engage angels with us in what we do. And we'll talk about that a little bit on that next Sunday. And then we'll talk about authority gateways. Understanding the importance of authority structures that God has put in the body. And uh, our exercise of spiritual authority must conquer, must coincide with these structures that God has placed in the church and in general. Because that, is, that will empower us. And uh, enable us to use authority correctly. For example, in the house, the husband is the head. And therefore, when he exercises authority, he has authority to protect, prevent, and even be on the offensive for his family. That's an authority gateway that God has kept in the house. Uh, and, and, and just because of the husband, the wife and the children are divinely protected if he's exercising authority correctly. And similarly similarly in the local church and organizations, so on, there are authority gateways that God has placed. And if we flow in them correctly, we'll be able to see an enhanced expression of our spiritual authority. This morning, I just want to cover the first three. I want to just talk about our weapons of warfare and of being defensive and being offensive in spiritual authority in the exercise of spiritual authority. Now, I just want to deviate a little bit and talk about Elevate, which is our youth service. You know... Uh, We haven't had our youth service, Elevate, for some time, for a couple of months now, maybe two months, I think. And uh, many had asked, you know, why did you stop it and what's happening with Elevate? And I purposely didn't talk about it because I didn't know myself very clearly what to do next. Um, But here's what happened with Elevate, our youth service. I felt that we were really not going, you know, anywhere with that in terms of uh, actually achieving our objective. We wanted Elevate to be a way for us to reach young people in the city. And it was good that we were having college students come in and worship, uh, be at our youth service. But I wanted our young people to engage, to be the ministers, as opposed to, you know, the old person like me doing the ministry. So, uh, but that wasn't happening. And so what I decided to do um, was to say, let's look at it and let's change strategy. There's no harm in changing strategy because we need to reach our goal. It is to get our young people to minister, to reach out to youth in our city. And so what we did is, we moved Elevate back into campuses. So, in so bringing the students to us, we are going into their campuses. So right now, we have Elevate, our youth service happening in three different institutions. We have our youth service happening at Baptist Hospital. So we are going there and having Elevate, right? So a team of us, that's handled by our North Church, Nancy and the team there. They go to Baptist Nursing College there, and they have Elevate there for them. And they had one, I think it was last weekend... Uh, yeah, last weekend it was very good. It was this welcome that they want to have it more often. Same thing happening in Baldwin's Women's College. Once a month, we have it in the college. We can reach 1,200 students. We can't bring them to us, but we can go and reach. Same thing we're doing at Kenneth George. We are going into the school there, and Melky's heading that up. Uh, we are reaching—I don't know a couple of—I don't know what the number is—but we're reaching the students there. There are other two major school colleges that are you know we're looking at maybe taking on this month. And then uh, we will slowly expand into more and more colleges to have elevates there. The benefit is we can reach a whole lot more students than by trying to bring them to our service. And we can have more people doing ministry than just receiving ministry. Because every Sunday morning, you're coming as, young, as a young person, young man, young woman. You're coming and sitting here and you're receiving good stuff. Amen? And if you're not doing something with it, then it's all going waste. So you need to do something. And so we want to push you out into the colleges. Go minister to the colleges. So this month, September, we're planning to take on more, two more colleges. Uh, I'll confirm it as soon as Lata is our PR there. And she goes to knock on these doors and uh, gets these colleges open. Uh, two more colleges. But we need more young people to go. Amen? We need more of you. You come here on Sundays, you receive the word, but then the rest of the week we want you to go in there and minister to many thousands. I've never spoken to thousands. It really doesn't matter whether it's 100, 200,000. Just tell what's in your heart. Share, prepare, go do it. You can. We're going to take on two more colleges in, uh, in, uh, in September. And then as we move on, we want to do more and more. We can actually go in and reach thousands of students, young people in our city. Amen. So that's what's happening in the elevator. We're just doing it in a different way, but we need people who will be willing to take on responsibility and handle that. So right now we have Nancy in the North Church handling the Baptist, Melky is handling Kenneth George, uh, Pastor Jake's and the team handling uh, Ballins Women's College, uh, but we need more. And then along with that, we're developing another strategy to affect and target each ward in our city. So we will be bringing that information to us as a church in the month of October, where Very strategically, looking at each ward, we will form teams, teams meaning all of us, depending on which ward you live, which municipality you live, or municipal corporation, whatever that's called, ward, where you live, you form your team, and all the things we've been learning about spiritual authority, we will have to put into practice. Amen? See, we're not going to let you go. If you're attending church and you're learning all these things, you're also responsible for the revelation God gives you. Amen? So all of us, we want everyone engaged. Young people, old people, middle ages to no age, whatever. Just all of us going to work together very strategically, ward by ward, where you live. One of the things we'll be talking about is street prayer. So easy to do. Just get out on your street, pray for your street. Or just stay in your house and pray for the street your house is on. Everyone can do that. Amen? So that way we can, we can have people praying for on many streets in the city. Amen? This past Thursday, we had a our pastor's fellowship. Three of us pastors were sitting. Pastor in Bethlehem, Pastor Harry, myself were sitting and talking. You know, Pastor Harry was sharing about street prayer and all of that. And one of the testimonies he shared was this. Twelve years ago. He used to have a few people, uh, he and a few people were, would walk alongside a street, a particular street. He mentioned the name, forgot it, Forgot about that street. They used to walk there and pray. And then he said recently he went back to the street, Pastor Harry, he went back to the street. And he found that every home in that street, every family had been saved. Every family, this is a true testimony. He said, the time they were walking, there was probably only one family on their whole street. Every else was not believers. Today, 12 years later, he goes back and he sees every house in that, every family, every home on that street, they're believers. And they're going to different churches, but they're all believers. Amen? So, look, these things we're talking about, if you and I will put them into practice, we will see results. Amen? So, what we're talking about, exercising our authority and these weapons and things that we're going to talk about, we as a body are going to put it into practice and we're going to do it in very simple ways. You might say, well, I can't go and preach. It's okay, you can pray. And you can pray for your streets. Very simple. From your home, you pray. If you want to walk on the street, that's That's nice. You could do that. But all of us can do something. So we'll form these teams very strategically for various wards. Some of you may be leaders of the teams and and, and will guide your teams in how to engage. And uh, at that point, we also want to take Elevate as one of the ways to get in to schools and colleges in your wards. So Elevate will again be another vehicle of evangelism. There will be a three-part strategy that we'll be sharing with you. Uh, engaging in spiritual warfare, evangelism, and then equipping new believers, which you and I, all of us will be doing at the ward level. In evangelism, one of our strategies would be to take Elevate into the campuses, the schools, the colleges that you are there. We will provide all the resources, but you and I are going to do it. Amen? So we'll get to that in the month of October. But these things we're talking about, our spiritual authority and how to exercise our authority, these are things that all of us can use. And we will motivate and encourage all of us to use because we will see amazing results when we begin to use these things so let me just go through our the weapons of our warfare and again this is familiar ground it's not new for many of us but it's good to remind ourselves that these are the weapons that god has given to us to engage the enemy and i'm going to run through these things very quickly in second corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 to 5 paul says Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That means though we are walking in the natural, we are not engaging in a fleshly manner. He says, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So he says the weapons of our warfare, God has given us weapons for our warfare. See, we are in a warfare and we have been given weapons, which Paul says they are mighty through God, meaning they are divinely in power. These are weapons that are supernaturally energized. These are weapons through which you will definitely be successful. These are mighty through God. Through which we can pull down strongholds, we can cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we can take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now in this particular passage over there in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is essentially dealing with the battle that goes on in the mind. He's dealing with strongholds, he's dealing with imaginations and reasonings, and he's dealing with thoughts. So he's saying these weapons that have been given to us are powerful even to dominate, to overpower what the enemy is doing in the area of the mind, strongholds, or are areas of the mind that the enemy has got control of. We can pull down those strongholds. We can, cast, we can pull, cast down imaginations and things that exalt itself against the truth of God. And we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But the point I want us to understand is that the weapons God has given you and me are powerful, they are mighty through God, through which we can and we will be victorious, not only in the battle that engages in our mind, but also in our spiritual battle for souls, in our spiritual battle to see other people saved, healed, and delivered. Amen? We use these same weapons in all spheres that we engage the enemy in. So what are these weapons? And I'll just list some of them and just go through some of them. The armor of God, which we find in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18. We talked about it last Sunday. So as you're getting ready, it's part of our preparation. As you're getting ready to engage the enemy, you make sure you're fully armed and you're dangerous. You wear your armor. Amen? The helmet of your salvation. Be sure of your salvation. Know what you're saved from and know what you're saved into. Put on the breastplate of righteousness that you are the righteousness of God because Satan's number one primary weapon is to accuse you. To cripple you through accusations. To say you're good for nothing. And say you're, you're not right in God's eyes. So you put on the armor of righteousness. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the shoes that are ready to share the gospel. Take the, helm, uh, take the shield of faith. And take on the sword of the spirit. So you are ready. Right? You get your whole armor on. And you're just walking in these things essentially. That's what it means. So the armor of God is part of our weapon. Number two. We have... The Word of God. The Word of God. Ephesians 6. And I'm just going to go through this quickly because many of you are familiar with these things. The Word of God is a weapon against the enemy. In Ephesians 6 and verse 17, Paul says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is a sword that the Holy Spirit is giving you, which you must take. And he says, it is the Word of God. Now, as I mentioned last time, there are two primary Greek words that are translated word, a word of God used in that context. One is logos, one is rhema. The rhema is the word that is used in Ephesians 6, 17. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. So rhema in contrast to the logos. The logos is the complete revelation. Rhema is a specific word. It's one word out of the complete word. The logos uh, has to do... With revelation, the rhema has to do with quickening, inspired word. Meaning, that's a revealed word, but out of that, God quickens something to you. Use this in this battle. And that one word is very important. The the, the logos has to do with thought or reason. The rhema has to do with utterance. The logos has to do with a reason, but the rhema has to do with a spoken word. It's an uttered word. It's a word you have to speak. So how do you take the sword of the spirit? You know, you're reading the Logos all the time. You're reading God's word. It's so important to be in the Logos. Read the word. Come, stay in the complete revelation of God. Read it. Chapters and books. Read it. So could. In a battle, the Holy Spirit will quicken a word. So use this. It might jump off the scripture page as you're reading in the morning, devotion in your morning time. Or it could happen anytime. Now you may be walking down the street and suddenly a verse comes quick to your heart. What is it? The Holy Spirit is quickening a word. He's handing you a sword to fight the enemy with. Amen. But what must you do? You must utter it. You must say it. That's why in Revelation nineteen fifteen you find Jesus. It's talk, John's revelation of Jesus. He says he comes riding on the white horse, and out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. Out of his mouth. It comes out. That's the spoken word. So the word of God spoken through your mouth is that double-edged sword of the Holy Spirit given to you to engage in warfare. Amen? So it's really powerful, that word. You might say, well, you know, you, you mean to say when I say this word, when I speak that scripture that I feel God is quick in my heart, it will have some effect? Of course. Because the power is not in you. It's not in your speech. These are divinely energized weapons. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God's. So even your simple saying of that scripture. That the Holy Spirit has quickened to you. Is powerful. It's like a double-edged sword. Going against the devil. So say the word. Utter it. It, is, it has to be a spoken word. You say, what should my volume be? Listen in the realm of the spirit there is no volume words move without sound amen words just travel in the realm of the spirit so don't worry about your volume you can whisper you can shout if you want if you're that's your nature shouts okay but you can whisper it's not your volume that's going to scare the devil it's the fact that it is a word of God and it is supernaturally enabled by God amen so utter that word. Speak that word that God has given to you. Now Romans 10.8. And he, Paul is quoting the Old Testament. He says the word is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith. Again he uses the same Greek word. That rhema of faith. It is that rhema of faith. Romans 10.8. That is in you. It's in your heart. So that rhema is quickened. And it's in your mouth. You got to speak it. Amen. That rhema is in your heart. And it's in your mouth. The Holy Spirit quickens it in your heart. And then it has to come out of your mouth. Say it. You can even whisper that word. And it will be powerful. You want to shout it? Shout it. It's okay. But it's up to you. But you speak that word. It's a weapon against the enemy. The third weapon that we have against the enemy is faith. Ephesians 6.16, Paul says, And the shield of faith, with which you'll quench every fiery dart of the enemy. So the shield of faith. Faith is like a shield. It's both a defensive and an offensive weapon. Your faith in God is a weapon against the enemy. Your faith in the word of God. So what's the use of me believing, having faith? Listen, it's your weapon against the enemy. It protects you from every fiery doubt, and also with faith you advance, you advance, you take new ground. So your faith in what God has spoken, your faith in the word of God, is your weapon. Use it. Take the shield of faith, believing that promise that God has given you. In First Peter, chapter five, eight and nine, again familiar verse, Peter says, "You know, be sober, be vigilant." Because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's going about seeking whom he may devour. But he says, next verse, verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. So how do you resist him? Being firm in the faith. See, your faith helps you resist. Say no to the devil. Be steadfast in your faith. So faith is a weapon. When you are dealing with going against the enemy. You have faith in your heart. Faith in who you are in Christ. And you speak with faith. You deal with demonic things in faith. Don't say I hope this will happen. Pastor I hope my word will get saved before I get to heaven. No. You have faith. That you will see souls saved. You will see people delivered and healed. Because God said he will use you. Have faith in the word of God. That's our Weapon number four, the fourth weapon is the blood of Jesus. Now, you've heard me share this before. The way you use the blood of Jesus is not by saying, you know, what does they say in Tamil? Ah, jayam, jayam. No, like, don't keep repeating fast for the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. That's not the way you use the blood of Jesus. It's same same thing as saying, sky is blue, sky is blue, sky is blue. You're stating a fact. And you think by saying it faster, 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 they'll get scared. That's not the way you use or invoke the power of the blood of Jesus. How do you do it? You state what the blood of Jesus has done for you. You state what the blood of Jesus has done for you that you are redeemed by the blood, that you are delivered from the powers of darkness, that you are sanctified by the blood, that you are divinely protected by the blood. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says, They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They testified to what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for them. Right? They didn't go around saying, Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Because the sky is blue, sky is blue, sky is blue. No, you testify to what the blood of Jesus has done for you. You say, The blood of Jesus has set me free. You say the blood of Jesus has redeemed me. The blood of Jesus has delivered my soul. The blood of Jesus covers me. I'm divinely protected. You say what the blood of Jesus has done for you. That's how you you testify to the blood. That's how you use the blood of Jesus. It's a powerful weapon against the enemy. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony. The next weapon of our warfare is the name of Jesus. When you say in the name of Jesus. You are saying I have been authorized by Jesus Christ to do this. I am using the power of attorney. I am using delegated authority. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So you can use the name. Jesus said in Mark sixteen seventeen, These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out devils. In my name. The 70 returned to Jesus in Luke 10, 17. He said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. So the name of Jesus is another weapon that we use. Now understand why he used the name. It's your saying, Jesus Christ has authorized me to do this. That's what you're saying when you use the name. Amen? You're saying Jesus is backing me up in what I'm doing right now. You're saying me standing here and using the name of Jesus is the same as Jesus standing here himself. Believe that? Because he said, if you gather together in my name, there am I. So where his name is, he is. Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. He says, when you gather together in the name of the Lord, with the power of the Lord. So when you gather in His name, His power is present. His, the name brings the person and the power of Jesus there. Amen? So, use the name. It's another weapon for us. Last two weapons that I want to refer to here is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing. Of the Holy Spirit. You know, John said greater is he who is in us. Than he who is in the well, The Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The anointing of the Spirit. Is a weapon against the enemy. Jesus said it like this. In Matthew 12 and verse 28. He says if I by the Spirit. Cast out devils. Then the kingdom of God has come to you. If I by the Holy Spirit. Spirit cast out devils. So, when you are dealing with demonic powers, when you're dealing with things that are contrary to the purpose of God, you're doing it by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're expecting the Holy Spirit to flow through you, and He does. So, by the Spirit, you're dealing with those demons. If I, by the Spirit, cast out devils, then the kingdom of God. Has come to you. It's the anointing of God on your life. Which you carry. Which you go to minister to people. Which Isaiah 10 and verse 27 says. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And removes burdens. That means let's say somebody is under a yoke. Meaning under an oppressive work of the devil. You go there. And the anointing on your life. The presence of the Holy Spirit on you. Through you. Breaks the yoke of the devil. And it removes those burdens, the weights that the enemy has put on their lives. It's the mighty Holy Spirit that you're carrying, who goes with you. It's a powerful weapon to undo the works of darkness. The last weapon that we have, that we use, the weapon of our warfare, is our praises, proclaiming the praises of God. Praising and worshiping God. Damages the enemy. While we sing his praise. And declare and worship our God. The enemy is being defeated. Praise is a powerful weapon. Worship of God is a powerful weapon. In Psalm 8 and verse 3. The psalmist says. Out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have ordained strength. Jesus translated that. As a praise, you have ordained praise, that you might still the enemy, that you might stop the avenger. So he's saying, even little babies, when they sing praises to God, Satan stops, cripples the devil. Amen. So that's the power of us praising and worshiping God. You get into an environment where you're seeing somebody troubled by devils or demons or oppressed. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, use the weapon of praise." So what do you do? So Come, let's just sing to the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. And as you're worshiping, that person is beginning to be set free. And God sets them free. So use that weapon. Psalm 145 verse 5 through 9, it says, Let the saints... Shout aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a double edged sword in their hand to bind the leaders and the, nation, the leaders of nations, bind them in chains and to execute the written judgment of God. Now, it doesn't mean you and I walk around with a sword on our side and do that physically. So, what he's talking about is something in the realm of the spirit. So, with the high praise of God in our mouth and the word of God in our hand, we are able to bring judgment on Things that oppress people and oppress nations. Nations. Amen? So can you imagine? God's people have been given this authority and the privilege. That through the weapons they have, they affect people in authority and they affect nations. Amen? So praise is very powerful. And one of the things we must keep in mind, if you really want to irritate the devil, get into serious worship. Because, you know, before he fell, Lucifer was the anointed cherub. And Ezekiel 28 says, he was in charge of worship because music was built into him. Psalms and timbrels was in him. Which means music was in him. So he was the worship leader, the anointed cherub, the worship leader in heaven. But he wanted the worship for himself. And so eventually he was thrown out of heaven. So no wonder today Satan wants us, wants to rob the church of this worship. Or at least distract them, keep them away from giving God worship. So you and I must understand, look, when we are worshiping God, we're really irritating the devil. Amen? It's a powerful weapon against the enemy. So here are these seven weapons we've talked about. And in it's not that you have to follow a formula. See, God is, is a creative God. Right? So when you're ministering to people, when you're engaging in spiritual conflict, when we are uh, engaging in battle for your own self in certain areas of your life, it, it's not that, you know, okay, step one, uh, put on the armor of God. Step two, use the word of God. Step three, you know, it's not like that. Go with the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you, which weapon to use when and where and how. Amen. It's not some kind of a formula here that you know you gotta check, 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 check. No, no, no. Sometimes he might just quicken a word of God and you speak it to somebody and it just blesses them. Just sets them free. Sometimes you go and the Holy Spirit just sing this song. You just sing this song. Sometimes he will say, just go and say the name of Jesus. So you might just be in that place and just exalt the name of Jesus. Just mention, keep mentioning the name of Jesus. However it is, flow with God, flow with the Holy Spirit. He knows what weapon to use, when, where and how. But you need to know what weapons are available, how you have to use them and engage with the enemy. Amen. Now let me talk about the two other aspects. First of all, we use our weapons, we use these weapons to def- in a defensive way. That means to protect and prevent the enemy. You know, We have the saying, prevention is better than... Sure. I believe that this applies even to the spiritual realm. To prevent things from happening. Your home, your family, your marriage, your job, your career. It's better to prevent than... Okay, I'm not saying if, you're, if your things are a trouble that you can't fix it. But I'm saying it's so much more better just to keep those defenses up. Prevent the enemy from gaining an entrance. So we use our weapons to protect ourselves, to defend and to protect, to guard and keep what God has given to us. In the Bible, and also we'll be looking at a little later on several scriptures, they talk to us about the reality of putting up a spiritual covering of protection or a hedge of protection for example in exodus twelve ten, god says you know if you apply the do- blood to the doorposts of the house the destroyer will not come in okay you apply the blood destroyer will not touch you that's only the shadow what's the reality first corinthians 5 verse 7 paul says christ is our passover lamb the, the type protected them. How much more? The reality. If the blood is applied, the destroyer cannot enter. The blood of the Passover lamb. So it's protective, preventive. In Job chapter 1 and verse 10. Very interesting passage. You read about Job. He had his children misbehaving. They must have grown up in Bangalore. I don't know. I mean, like that, totally misbehaving all the time. All the time, parties, pubs. And poor Job. Every Friday night, there's a party. Saturday morning, Job is making sacrifices. And that's what he's doing. Like, his children are partying, making all kinds of things. Job is going to sacrifice. God, please forgive them. Lord, please. He's dealing with it. Okay? Spiritually. And what's the result? His life. His discipline before God protects his whole family. So much of it in Job chapter 1 and verse 10. The devil says to, to the Lord. There's a hedge of protection around him. I can't touch. This is under the Old Testament. The devil says. There's a hedge of protection. I can't. I can't touch. Sorry. He must be circling the hedge all around. around but he can't penetrate. A man. Without covenant with God. See Job was the oldest book of the Bible. This was even before the Abrahamic covenant. A man without covenant with God. Didn't know anything. But just his consecration to God. Protected everything. So much so. devil is saying. I can't penetrate that hedge. God you have put a hedge around him. So we are offering ourselves. We are walking in these things. And God puts that hedge. And the devil says, I can't penetrate. Then God says, okay, let's, let's see. I mean, I'm telling you, Job is following me not just for the benefits. He's following me because he really loves me out of his heart. In order to prove that, I will open the gate for a little bit. You know, and that's, then that's, The rest of the book is about that. But the point is that a man, because he consecrated himself and his family to God, had such a hedge that the devil said, I can't penetrate. So, do you think it's possible for us to do that? I think it is. Amen? I believe we can. If we will take the things we've learned and apply them in our lives. Psalm four seven talks about angels that guard us. Psalm 347, the angel of the Lord encamps around us who believe and delivers us. Psalm 91 talks about he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He abides under the shadow of the Almighty. And God says a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. And he says no evil will befall you. No plague will come even near your dwelling. And he says, you know, in trouble I will be with him and I will deliver him. So there is this place of security in God. Where God says, even if things are happening all around you, it will not touch you. Where no evil will come to you, it will not come to your dwelling. Even if trouble comes, I will deliver you, I will set you on high. Amen? So for us, I want to encourage us, we need to move into that place. Where we use all these spiritual things we've learned. Walk in walk in a place of security, in a place of where we prevent and we protect what God has given to us. I believe we can. Amen? Now, let's talk about offensive. Offensive is something you and I do on purpose. So, in the month of October, when we talk about... Winning lost souls in our city and going after every ward, very strategic way in prayer and other ways of engaging. What we are doing is we are on the offensive, purposefully going against the enemy, using all these things that we've learned about spiritual authority and saying, okay, we will go against the enemy. Right? So going against the enemy on the offensive in a, in a, in a forceful way On purpose. Now you can use these same things to gain new ground. Whether it's in your personal life. Whether it's in your work. Whether it's in your ministry. Or in other ways for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So these same things we apply for all areas of life. Use this for your own personal life. In all your own battles against the enemy. Use this. In your ministry, whatever ministry you have, God's called you to do, use it. Use it in your professional life. Use it for your vocation. Use it for your home. Use it for your family. Use it uh, as we work together to take the city. We use all of these things. So when we're on the offensive, how do you use these weapons? Here are some things. What I did some time ago was, I went through all the action verbs the, the the verbs that are used in connection with dealing with demonic spirits in the new testament and then they just kind of put them all down and because they teach us how to be on the offensive against the enemy and i just want to share that with you you know here's how you do it on the offensive you rebuke or you command so it's something you speak you command for example in luke 4 35 36 Jesus commanded the devil, come out of him. In Acts um, 16, verse 18, Paul says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. So you command. So how do you deal with the devil? How do you get on the offensive? You command. You say, I command in the name of Jesus. You issue an order. Do it. Cast out. Means to eject, to force, to vacate. It doesn't have the idea of "can you please leave." It's not like that. It's so, a devil. I command you get out. See, that's casting out. I cast you out. I forcefully eject you. In uh, Matthew eight sixteen, it says that the people brought in the evening had come. People brought to Jesus. All those who are sick and those who are uh, possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with a word. So how do you cast out the spirits? With a word. He cast out the spirits with a word. So you issue a word of command. So you devil, I cast you out now. You spirit of affliction, I cast you out now. Amen. So last sunday or monday tuesday and i was sitting with my kids i said okay kids joshua tell me why do you go to church okay i'm trying to you know teach them different things so I asked them why do you go to church so ruth was saying you know, we go to learn bible stories we learn to go to learn sing worship sing, and we learn we go to learn how to fight the devil it's good <laughs> amen it's good they're learning all these things now I go to church because I want to learn how to fight the devil. So if you and I, sitting in an adult church, are learning how to fight the devil. You cast out the spirits with a word. Bind. Matthew 12, 29. Jesus says, How can you enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless you first bind the strong man. So this is in the context of casting out devils, dealing with devils. And he's saying before you can go and destroy all his, take out, plunder all his goods, you first bind the strong man. So we'll talk about this you know, later on in October. When you're, when you're talking about a ward and he's saying, I want to take, I want to spoil the goods. I, mean, I want to see these souls come out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. You first bind the strong man. Bind. Bind means to disallow them from acting. you Restrain them. So, if you find the enemy operating or doing something in your life, in a certain area of your life, you say, in Jesus' name, I bind. What the devil is doing. You issue it as an order. I bind, meaning I'm tying you up now. Now, understand that when you bind the enemy, it's for that time and it is for that particular time activity it does not mean that you will never again face trouble in that particular area okay so for that time and for that activity you're binding the devil because later on if you do something wrong and open the door devil is going to come in take opportunity in that area so understand it's for that time it's for that activity The same thing geographically. When we bind the operation of the enemy in a certain area, for that season we will see release. But if people go back or people, you know, that intensity, spiritual intensity diminishes, the enemy is going to come back in. But you bind in that particular area. You say, devil, I'm binding you. I'm I'm, I'm negating your work in that area. Or lose. That means you set people free. Jesus saw a woman in Luke 13. She had been bound with the spirit of infirmity. And she said, I lose you. Ought not this woman be loosed, set free from this bondage. This, what Satan has bound her for these 18 years. So when you are ministering to people, when you are doing things, you say, I release this person. Satan, I command you to lose this person. That means you let go of what you are doing in that person's life. So you lose. So you say, I lose you. You say, can I lose? Yeah. Jesus has given you the authority to lose to people who are bound with different things. You lose. I said, Satan, you know, if the devil is hindering your finances, Satan, lose them. Take your hands off that. You know, stopping, hindering certain work in your life. Another word there, we find in the New Testament is the word destroy. Which means basically to render, to negate, to, to break down. First John 3.8 For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, break down, tear down the works of the devil. Hebrews 2.14 Through his death Jesus destroyed the one who had the power of death. So you say in Jesus name I destroy every work of the devil in this place. That means you're breaking it down. And you've got authority to do it. To remove. let get rid of. Throughout. Isaiah 10.27. So in Jesus name I remove every burden. That the devil has placed on this person. Remove it. The devil put it on. I'm taking it off. There are other Greek words we just run through. The other words we just run through. In the def- defensive mode. Resist. You give no place, you stand against, you withstand. These you find them in James 4, 7. You resist, you withstand, you stand against the enemies. So when the enemies come against you say, no, Satan, I stand against you. Telling you I will not budge, I will not go back. I'm standing against you and I'm going to be more persistent, more stubborn than you in this area. I withstand, I stand against what you're doing. I oppose what you're doing in this area. Wrestle. It talks about an ongoing conflict. You saw those wrestling matches in the Olympics? It's in a short duration, but they have to engage. They can't stand around and say, okay, you got nice muscles? You got to engage. So, so we wrestle. You got to engage with the enemy. So constant engagement through these words, through the word of God, through the weapons that we've given us. You're constantly engaging and engaging. It's okay. You are going to give up, not me. Even if we have to wrestle for five minutes or whatever the length of duration is, five months, whatever. We will wrestle, but I will not give up. Quench all the fiery darts, Ephesians 6.16, which is to put off all of the fiery darts with the shield of faith. We overcome and prevail. First John two thirteen. You overcome him because the word of God abides in you. We overcome the enemy by the word of God. We pull down, or that is tear down, strongholds. Strongholds are any any territory occupied by the enemy. It could be in our mind. It could be in a, in a in a geographical location. It could be in a home. Whatever the enemy has occupied and fort built a fortified fortress around, try to you know take over that, and you pull it down. The weapons of our warfare with that we pull down. Stronghold. So you say, in Jesus' name, I pull down every area that the enemy has gained access to, any demonic stronghold, demonic power center in this area, I tear it down in the name of Jesus. So these are action things, things that we do when we are on the offensive, or when we are defensive against the enemy, using the weapons of our warfare. Amen? Now these things... Are for all of us. Sometimes we think pastor. It's only you can do all this. I can't. No, no, no. This is for every believer. All of us. Have to engage. All of us. Have to use the weapons of our. Warfare. Against the enemy. Amen. You may face a battle. In your own life. At a personal level. Maybe it could be. Temptations that are coming against you. Same weapons you have to use. Maybe it's accusations. Maybe it's deceptions. Whatever weapon the enemy is using. Same. Maybe it's a battle in your body. Sickness, disease, pain. Same weapons you have to use. Maybe it's in the area of finances. and Challenges there. Well, same weapons you have to use. Maybe it's in your home, your family. Same weapons. Maybe it's a... Challenge the workplace, and maybe it's having to do with your call and your destiny. Maybe it has to do with your ministry, whatever area it's these same weapons that we use. Amen. That's why it's important for all of us to learn how to use these weapons, both for defensive purposes and also for offensive. They go on against the enemy. We'll continue this next Sunday as we talk about prayer and prophetic degree decrees and action and a couple of other things that are uh, ways by which we exercise our spiritual authority in practice uh, to see uh, the enemy pushed back and the purposes of God accomplished. If you've never thought of engaging spiritually, I want to encourage you to start doing that, even in small ways, just by using the sword of the spirit which is the word of God just speaking the words or by just praising God in a difficult situation the praises of God are a weapon against the enemy or by just declaring what the blood of Jesus has done for you in your life if you've never done this before I want to encourage you to start doing it even this week I want you to practice just use these things And be persistent. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because we're not just in a small fight. We wrestle. We're in an ongoing fight against the enemy. As you stand here this morning, some of us could be going through some challenges, some battles in life. I want you to take these weapons and I want you to go and fight a good fight. Paul told Timothy, Fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because it's a fight we know we will win. It's a good fight because it's a fight that is worth fighting for. So, fight the good fight of faith. Take these weapons take these the words that you've heard and begin to wage a good warfare the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God the strongholds will come down you will come through to victory when you use these weapons You could be facing a conflict in your workplace. You could be facing a conflict in your own mind as the enemy comes against you with various thoughts and reasonings. And whatever it might be, fight a good fight. Wage a good warfare. You will see God causing you to triumph in your life. God has destined you to victory. He has destined you to be an overcomer. The battle may be long. It may be tough. It may be hard. There may be times that you want to just put everything down and just give up or run away. But I want to encourage you this morning. You're in a fight that's worth fighting for. You're in a good fight. And God's on your side. You will come through victorious. You will come through triumphant. Keep fighting. Amen. Let's just get ready to close. Father, we just thank you that you cause each one of us to triumph in life, God. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak, teach, and train us, each one of us, to use the weapons of our warfare and to come through victorious in life. Our, in every battle, in every scheme or assignment of the enemy against us, that we will prevail. Father, we pray that we will learn not only how to walk victorious ourselves, but God, that we will go out into this world and bring healing, bring deliverance, and take this authority to set captives free in our city and in our nation, God. We pray that you'll use us to advance in various parts of our city and undo everything the devil has done to destroy the works of the devil and set people free. Use each one here. In our schools, in our colleges, in our places of work, use each one, God. And when we find colleagues, people in need, we will stand up, rise up with the authority you've given us and minister to them unashamedly in the mighty name of Jesus. And with the word of God, bring deliverance to people. Use each one. And we thank you, Father. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you